0: Welcome to the Unfiltered Podcast with me, Joe Warner and powered by Ultimate Performance, the world's premier personal training experience that delivers maximum results in minimum time. In each episode of the Unfiltered Podcast, I interview the most respected, celebrated and controversial experts in the fields of health, fitness, nutrition, well-being and performance to help you find the life-changing advice you need to live smarter. Remember, you can find all of our exclusive Unfiltered documentaries, video interviews and investigations at unfilteredonline.com and the Unfiltered Extra YouTube channel. And now, on with the show. One of the key rules as an interviewer is never to talk about yourself. But when I first discovered your protocol, I gave it a go because I was fascinated by it. But Dr. Soberg, I can't do it. I cannot stand that, that moment. It fills me with dread. I would rather do anything else apart from fully submerge myself in cold water. Why do some people hate it more than others? Is there a, is there a reason why that other than just a psychological reason? And secondly, Is it a case that the people that are more reluctant to do it could potentially benefit more? I'm trying to see if there's a relationship between getting a greater physiological or or mental health benefit, the the less you want to go in and do it in the first place. Have you got any insight on that?
1: (laughs) I think that is a really good question. Well, I can use myself as an example. So the more you reject the cold, the more you probably need it also.
0: (laughs) I was worried you were going to say that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it is like the the more you reject it is probably because you uh, reject the stress. So you don't like stress. Nobody really likes stress, even the short term stress. But you can get used to it, and you can widen that window for how much stress that you can take in, both physically but also mentally. So if you get used to that, you can say pain of doing this deliberately. It's kind of a pain painful thing to do, but you get used to that and you learn yourself that you can manage the pain you can breathe yourself through this pain so you can calm your nervous system and teach yourself that you can overcome a stressful situation so this helps you both physically to overcome the 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 very low threshold for pain that you have And increase that, but also mentally. So it's really funny how this works, both as a window for your capacity to cope with stress in general, and mentally, but also how much you can cope with it physically. So today, just to take myself again, uh, is is really much easier for me to go out in the cold and do cold water immersion, or just go out when it's cold. I don't always have to like have it all be completely packed in, in in sweaters and. And warm jackets i mean it's i can have my jacket open even it's very cold in denmark so often we of course close it but i can ha- leave it open up more today than i could before so i do feel that they, this, there's been a shift in how much cold i've uh, i can take before i feel that it's stressful to me and i do think that someone maybe like you i don't know how much you have done cold water versions but people would benefit from this because it also increases their um, you can say self-believe. You do something that is super hard and you overcome it. And then you know that you can overcome many other things. So this short, you can say, into of stress that you have will be broken and you will open up your mind for, okay, if I can do this, then I can do many things.
0: A lot of people won't have tried it and, and then there'll be that trepidation which is putting them off. What are the the easy ways to introduce yourself to this? I'm thinking maybe a, a cold shower or alternating a cold shower with a hot shower. What are the other easy introductory steps that someone very new to this could take?
1: Yes, yeah, so yeah, a cold shower is definitely a good way to get started. If you are um if you are rejecting the cold very much and you think that it's too big a thing to just step into an ice bath, that is for me, for me, it would have been too much, definitely. But a cold shower could be a way to get started. It will not be the same as doing a cold water immersion, but it's a good way to get started. So you can end your hot showers uh, on the cold uh, five seconds and try to build it up to 30 seconds. But you can also get used to the cold by putting cold water to the face. It will also not substitute for the cold. Um, water uh, immersions but it will be a way for your for yourself to get used to how does this cold feel. Um, maybe hand cold baths and and foot baths could also do it. That will definitely activate your brown fat so in that way you can also prepare a bit.
0: I've always, whenever I've done any kind of cold treatment, I've always ended with a really hot blast because otherwise I feel like I'm going to be cold for hours afterwards and it just takes away that edge. But obviously that goes against the so-called sober principle where you need to end on cold. Why is it so important to end on cold and and what are the detrimental effects if you don't, if you do what I do and go back to hot afterwards, how much of the benefits do I eliminate?
1: Yeah, well, people don't need, to end on the cold, I think that is maybe it's a bit advanced. I don't know. But why I have studied this metabolism and during I called it a bit of a nerdy phase where I was studying what happens to the body when you expose yourself to the cold. And what I fear was that if you are cold after your winter swim, your cold water immersions, then you will force your body to heat up by itself. And that is the sober principle because when you do that, you will increase your metabolism for hours afterwards. If you are new to this and you just start out and say, well, I'm going to follow the Subic principle, then you will increase your metabolism for long term uh, afterwards, not only the few minutes that you're in the cold water. And this is, this is super helpful for you, right? For your metabolism. That is like a, a, an after workout where you don't have to do anything. It's just your body working itself up to the right temperature again. I find that so applicable and I th- find it so feasible for people to do if they can just figure out a way to keep moving afterwards. That I think that is important. So moving afterwards, you can go home, you can clean, just don't sit down on the couch because if you do that, you will have what is called the after drop and then you will start shivering in the sofa. Not that it's dangerous in that sense but it's just uh, uncomfortable and that might give you the idea that this was not a great idea <laughs> to, to do this. So I um, I always advise people to keep moving afterwards because that is also healthy so it's kind of like um, exercise post your um, cold War immersions. Yeah,
0: and and very quickly, where where would your advice be for somebody to begin if they do want to go in? Could you talk a little bit about the optimal protocol that that people should should adopt as a starting place when they want to explore this field?
1: Yeah, first of all, I think that people should uh, should go and take my beginner's course because I have made a course where I teach people the the house and wise on cold and heat and also the breath work. So the breathing part is, of course, a very important steering wheel to lower your nervous system, but you can also do it on your own if you are ready to do that. And uh, what I advise is 11 minutes per week, which I saw in my studies. 11 minutes per week divided on two to three days, and also alternating with sauna. And I think that is really, really important part of it as well. If you want this health journey, um, you want to start that. So that is 57 minutes of sauna per week, also divided on two to three days. So. If you are not able to alternate, you can also divide it on different days. That is also, of course, okay, but I can't say exactly how does that differ in outcomes compared to what I have done because the study is not done so
0: that's that's been brilliant I think it was really nice as well the the whole holistic approach I think thanks to social media and Instagram there's a lot of really buff guys jumping into ice buckets and it's all a bit raw but actually as you said it's the breath work and when I have done it and I've managed to do it for a little bit it's almost that me- that meditative effect it's it's the opposite of macho it's taking, a, it's taking your breath it's thinking about things it's getting some perspective and then jumping out and going do you know what nothing I do today is going to be as hard as this. And it's resilient. You touched upon that self-awareness. And for me, it was it gave me a sense of purpose and a belief that, you know what, I can do anything that pops up today. And I think that's where the benefit came from. I didn't enjoy it, but I can absolutely see the mental health benefits.
1: Yeah, I think that is a really important benefit that you just touched upon there. Because when people are, are worried it is not easy to get out of your mind, right? You cannot you cannot just park that and say, "Well, I'm not going to worry anymore." But what you can do is something physical. You can do, you can go and exercise. That is also a great thing. But you can go and shock your body, and that's going to take you out of that uh, worries because the body cannot concentrate on surviving and think about your worries about what's going to happen in five years or tomorrow or whatever, uh, or what you're going to shop uh, in in a few hours, you cannot think about anything else just being in that moment. During that moment, you have that increase in neurotransmitters in the brain, which will make you more positive to whatever worries you have when you then go up. So in in a physiological sense, you you will a- actually be at a better state of thinking about whatever you had on your mind. So if you want to have a more positive mindset, definitely if that is all you want to get out out of your co emotions, that is definitely something you will have um, on a short term. So short term effects, there are definitely uh, something for your mental health, but also probably also for for the long term.
0: So much of the research has been done around the short term physiological benefits and some of the more longer term ones, as you've mentioned, uh, around blood pressure. What I'm really interested in is the cognitive and the mental health benefits, Um, not only in the short term, but also in the long term as well. What are the the longer term implications on your cognitive health of of these kind of treatments? But I'm guessing the research around that is a lot more complicated because you're dealing on a subjective level rather than measuring data. How much time and attention are you thinking about these long term cognitive and mental health benefits of cold water immersion? And how are we going to tackle some of those obstacles I've mentioned in terms of actually tracking and monitoring that data?
1: We definitely need more studies showing what is the what is the impact of cold water immersions on mental health on the long term. So we don't really have that many studies yet on that, but we, we, we do have studies showing that if you do cold water immersions, how does that affect our um, mood, and how does that affect uh, our um, brain uh, connectivity? There are also studies showing that um, the, the brain connectivity is uh, is improved, but also the positive um, uh, self-awareness, positive self-awareness is uh, also improved compared to a group who didn't do cold water immersions. And uh, the, the way of thinking about the world in a positive way that that would change and that has already been shown but we also seen why so we have studies showing that dopamine and noradrenaline increases when we do cold water immersions which will explain why we do feel better and get a better mood so we do have that uh, data showing why we all why this is actually um real so what we don't know is how this can change depression anxiety or even maybe um, um, what what can we say um um how this changed
0: In like established mental health disorders is is there a possibility that it could be an addition to other interventions pharmacological interventions and and, and maybe psych psychotherapy things like that do you feel like the, the, again i don't want to put words into your mouth but is there the opportunity that these kind of alternative treatments could be could be part of the puzzle
1: yes i think that there is a there is a huge possibility that all these uh, traits that we see all these acute effects that we see on mental health that people um, anecdotally say, but also been shown in a case study of a depressed woman. This is a science uh, case study from the UK, where they also have a randomized control trial. I know coming up; it's not published yet, but we do. We do see that there should be implications for, um, for using this as a treatment for mental health uh, disorders. So here we are looking at anxiety, depression, and I also think addiction could be one of the things. And, and also, yeah. So I think that there should definitely be studies done on this to see how much of an impact does it have is it enough or could it be an add on treatment which i think the cold water immersion is for metabolism for example i never go out and say well use cold water immersions instead of exercise no i see this as an add on to that because that's going to increase your metabolism so use it in combination but what it does have an and and um, possibility to do is keeping people uh, maybe from doing drugs maybe uh, from feeling uh, totally down when they are depressed, and when they feel depressed and they are down, they may- maybe the cold water emissions can elevate their mood and keep it maybe even stable. So we do need we do need to find alternative ways other than drugs. We do need to also prevent instead of just treating uh, what is already. Um, a disease. So we do need to also use this as a prevention tool to say, well, do this just like exercise. It's preventing you from becoming depressed, maybe maybe becoming um, anxious, maybe also keeping you away from... It could also be addictions to food. It could be many things. I mean, it opens so many things and so many doors. So I think that there's room for so much research down the line. And I hope that this will, bite. Like, we would do this so we can get some more answers to this. It will be very fascinating, I think.
0: Cold water immersion has been caught up in the biohack movement, right? It's certainly through, through Instagram and social media, there's almost this kind of macho uh, aura around ice water uh, and cold bottle. As one of the leading researchers in this field, has this been helpful? in in terms of educating the public and advancing our understanding of it? Or has it hindered it, the fact that it has been caught up in this kind of macho biohack movement?
1: All things start somewhere, I think. And, uh, and it could be that it's a good thing, actually. It starts somewhere and uh, the macho thing is just going to be I think within the next years, it's going to be less important. I don't think that people in a few years will, people in a few years will realize that this is not about being macho. It's not about, it's, it has nothing to do with that. But of course, one of the things that you get out of doing cold water emotions is also that you increase your confidence and increased confidence is, of course, something that will you feel brave. And I don't mind that people actually feel brave and macho doing these things. I mean, people get different things out of this, but eventually when my education gets out and people will start realizing that this is about other things and being macho, they will see that this is nothing to do with that. This is about a a journey for yourself, growing yourself. It has nothing to do with showing off or um, being in a competition. This is a Journey that you do for yourself, but in company with others.
0: There's enormous, enormous amount of physiological benefits from from that your research has shown, alongside improve improved uh, glucose metabolism, insulin sensitivity lowering blood pressure, lowering heart rate, could you talk about some of the most exciting areas of of physiological adaptation that your research has seen? I'm thinking specifically for people watching this who maybe the thought of of doing any cold water immersion horrifies me. Could you give the top line of what the the biggest benefits are that people could expect?
1: I think that the biggest benefits people can expect is, um, I think actually in time when people have done cold water immersions will be a, a lower blood pressure. And I know it sounds boring because blood pressure, like, well, blood pressure, I can take blood pressure, but that's a good thing because you can actually follow your own journey in this. So blood pressure has been shown before my research also to have, um, to be lowered after cold water, uh, swimming for uh, three to six months. And I think that is uh, showing just how much an impact this has on your cardiovascular system. So this kind of short-term stressing up to stress down, as I say, uh, is a way of lowering inflammation. And when you lower that plaque and inflammation, and you get rid of that in your bloodstream, then you will um, have more uh, easier passage for the blood to uh, run to the heart and from the heart, and also a better contraction and dilation of your blood vessels. And that is going to lower your um blood pressure blood pressure is one of the best measures underrated but best measures of how well our cardiovascular health is so if you can lower your blood pressure and you can lower your baseline heart rate then it it's super good measures for how well some kind of activity is actually helping your health and that has been shown with cold water swimming cold water immersions
0: they're some of the physiological long-term benefits, but there's obviously a lot of short-term benefits as well. I was hoping you could speak about some of the benefits that someone can expect within the next 24, 48 hours following cold water immersion, and then maybe get into some of the biological differences between the sexes. Do, do women respond differently to men, for instance? I'm trying to work out some of the nuance around these treatments rather than kind of grouping the benefits in one catch-all term. Mm.
1: So, yes, they are there are some... There are some acute, you can say benefits of doing cold water immersions and we can we could yeah, explore that on multiple levels, but if we just go into the go into the cells, let's just see what happens in the cells acutely when you expose yourself to the cold. So you have this um, physiological response of the cells trying to protect itself from 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 dying or from, yeah. So uh, the acute stress, is increasing a, a hormetic stress response in the cells, where it protects itself by increasing heat shock proteins and enzymes that are gonna be repaired. Proteins are being repaired in the cells, so it protects itself. The there are like three stages uh, of the cell where it um, where it's acutely activated, and in phase two, it will respond as a, as if it's protecting itself. So it builds itself stronger, um, and that is the um use stress, the, the healthy kind of stress you can say. Um, but if you expose yourself too long to any kind of stress, so that will go this the cells will go into a phase three where we'll be exhausted and it would age faster instead of in phase two where we actually um, live longer. So that is why I try to teach people that short-term cold exposure is the healthy kind of exposure that you need for a healthy way of using cold water immersion. And if you then become too macho and you sit too long because you want to compete in this, then you will probably imagine that the, the cells will be overexposed in phase three where you age them faster, but you won't see that as an acute response. You won't get, get up from your 10 minutes ice bath and think, oh, I think I exhaust myself. <laughs> they are infinity. You cannot say that, but maybe we will see this in later studies down the line where we have followed people for maybe 20 years and see what kind of exposure this is um, and how detrimental it can be. And I think that this is important to get this out. We do have studies in some other form of like in the other extreme end is heat exposure. What we see in these long cohort studies from Finland showing that if you do heat exposure as in sauna too long, you will also see that the benefits decrease and even the risk of cardiovascular diseases will increase again. So there is like a sweet spot or a window where things get really healthy for you. So that is why I'm trying to, to teach people that the acute effects are the healthy kind of short-term microstress of the body. So that was the that was the acute effects in the cells
0: <laughs> and how how confident are you in the research, that the current guidelines are going to be applicable in five, ten, twenty years' time? Obviously, science is a moving target. it's constantly changing. But are you fairly confident now, based on the understanding of 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 cold water therapies, that the recommendations are right we we're, we're in that sweet spot we're not going too far past it i I,
1: I mean. As a scientist, I am always open to learn new things. So what I'm hoping is that new science will emerge from also from my science. I hope this will just open new doors for more science, more exploration. So we can get more certain about exactly how long, what is the higher threshold? We don't really know what is the higher threshold for cold water immersion, but we, what we do know is from science already back in published in Nature magazine in 1936, that there is a stress response. And if you have too much stress, you will exhaust the body. That is just like, you also expose your body to toxic things like alcohol, for example. So maybe if you take a little bit of alcohol, you drink a little bit of alcohol, that might be good for you because that will make your strong, your cells stronger in the body because it protects itself and then it will be hardened. But if you drink too much, we definitely have studies today showing the long-term effects. And we kind of like need those studies as well in cold water Immersion.
0: In the context of age, gender, body fat percentage, lean muscle mass, genome, fitness level, all these other individual components, how much do we know about the physiological impact based on my unique body or your unique body, is there a way um, of better extrapolating how pe- how different people in different life stages or different fitness levels or whatever respond differently to this kind of treatment?
1: Uh, we definitely need more studies on different, you can say, phenotypes, uh, different people, a different disease, having different diseases. We need more studies on that so we can say something more specific. Uh, but what we do know is that children respond different to cold than adults do. And uh, we do know that women also respond different to cold than men do, Uh, but they all activate their metabolism and they all get the same thing out of it, but they activate their metabolism in different ways. So they protect the body in different ways. So men have another way of protecting than women do. So we do know that a difference in gender, we do know that difference in in age, uh, but we also know that if you for example have type 2 diabetes, you also respond uh, different than people who are healthy because they have a different sensitivity, uh, insulin sensitivity uh, than than healthy people do, of course. So
0: Sorry to interrupt. Focusing on 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 the 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 biological sex issue, then could you give a the top line view of, of how a woman responds differently to a man? Because I think a lot of people will be fascinated that there are significant differences in the in the process, even though the outcome is the same.
1: Yes, it's because well, it's it's probably also logical when I explain this. But women are smaller than men, so that is yeah, they have smaller muscle mass, uh, which means that if you look at the body, th- there are two kinds of tissues that we use to uh, protect ourselves from the cold. So that is the brown fat, which was will be your first responder to any cold exposure. Um And then there's the muscles. And m- women have uh, less muscle mass, which means that compared to men, they will have to rely more maybe on their brown fat, but they will also rely more on other tissues like white fat. So women also have a uh, percentage, uh, percentage-wise percentage more white fat than men. So we protect our um, core temperature in another way than men do. So men will have more vascular, uh, vascularization of their tissue, of their muscles, than women would, will would have. Um, women will be colder if you expose them not only during cold but also during cold they will uh, contract their blood vessels more than men and have a colder skin temperature just in general women also have a colder skin te- temperature so in this room for example just room temperature we will have colder ears hands and and feet and you can just this is shown also in science studies so on the surface we are also just colder we have smaller hearts too which means that uh, we Need uh, to pump uh, f- uh, faster um, the blood around in the body than, than men do to keep our um, temperature up. So when we expose ourselves to the cold, we go into the water. Uh, we will need to build a, you can say, um, a better shield, a surface shield. So how well our vessels contract, we will have to rely more on that than, for example, men will. So that means that in the end, Women will be colder faster than men, so we will not tolerate maybe a cold water immersion or a dip as long as men would. Um, And when we get up from the cold water, we will um, take a little bit longer time to reheat uh, if we compare two persons, a man and a woman, who have maybe never done any um, cold water immersion. But we can also build up. And tolerance, uh, just like men do, but we do it differently.
0: So I think with so many areas of of health and wellness, uh, a lot of the research and a lot of the advice is directed at men, and and women are kind of just assumed to. Women are just assumed to follow it. Where actually, uh, none of the the research has been has been done on women. How much of an issue is this in your uh, field of expertise, Doctor sovic Is this something that we need more research, and you're concerned about? I
1: think it's. I think actually, it is a concern, and the, I, but I think there's a good explanation for it also. But I think it's a concern, but it's also a concern because when when you start asking these questions about gender differences, then we. We are maybe not able to answer all the questions. We are not able to completely dissect how completely the difference are because maybe the science is not really there yet. So it's good that the questions are coming because then maybe the science will follow up on this, but, but maybe we cannot really distinct how different this exactly is. So, um, we need more research definitely on the, the differences because what, what has happened until now and also actually during my studies in my PhD, is that that we are exploring, especially in basic science, we're exploring men because of a uh, women's cycle. Um, there'll be temperature differences during the month. And if your science pro- project, which mine was about temperature, <laughs> then you would need a giant a, a sample size of people if you want both men and women and you want them different uh, yeah. So, and, and some of them have brown fat, maybe some don't. And you have many different groups now to compare and analyze, and that makes it very expensive to do this kind of studies. So, what we did in my study was to say, well, we only look at men because that's what we usually did in in basic science. This has changed now, and I think it's a good thing.
0: I imagine as well that there is also the element of the individual differences within women, the hormone profiles, where you store body fat. I imagine all these things, which might seem quite small, could have quite a profound impact on the physiological benefits of, of cold treatment. Uh, would, would you go along with that?
1: Yeah, I think that, that maybe there is a difference, but also I don't think that we should just state there is a difference. There is a difference. There is a difference. But just because genders are different, we can def- we can definitely say that women defend their core temperature differently from men. But what we should acknowledge is that when you look at the energy expenditure during the same period of time where you submerge into cold water, it is is the same in men and women. They just activate their metabolism in different ways and protect their core temperature in different ways. But the outcome is the same. So, I think that we—it it is interesting to look at these differences in, in men and women, but if you, for example, look at, at metabolism, you have the same outcome, but we, we act differently because our tissues are proportionate differently in different in the body.
0: What are the implications for post-exercise? I'm thinking of somebody who's been for a run on the treadmill or maybe lifted some weights, they then often, if their gym has got... You know, a spa facility might jump in the soil and might jump in an ice bath. What are the implications in terms of cardiovascular training or hypertrophy or strength training uh, in terms of some of these treatments post exercise? Because some of the, if you go on social media, there can be quite a mixed message uh, uh, about what is optimal and what should be avoided.
1: So I think, I think it's a good question. I think also it's been hyped a little bit. Um, I mean, maybe the hypo, People who are very concerned about growing muscles, I think that, and if they want to gain every little inch or every little bit out of their training, I think that you should just avoid the cold water immersion right after your your strength training. What you can do instead is to do the sauna, take a sauna afterwards, because that's going to decrease the soreness and uh, the inflammation also in in the muscles, but it's also increasing the flexibility. So you will be less sore if you you take a sauna afterwards, but you will also be less sore if you you do the cold water immersion. So if you are um, uh, competing, for example, you are an athlete competing in sports, then a cold water immersion right after your your training and you have to maybe do um, a competition the day after, then the cold water immersion is going to help you uh, lower the inflammation, the breakdown of the muscles in your muscle tissue, which you actually need because otherwise you'll be super sore the next day and you won't maybe perform as well. So it's good to like stop that uh, inflammatory process uh, in the cells right after. But if you are... in uh, doing strength training and you want to like do the cold water immersion on the same day because that's what you have available on that day, then maybe wait a few hours. Maybe four hours would be enough, like for the muscles to uh, have that inflammatory response, uh, second response after your training, and then you can do a cold water uh, uh, immersion after that. But put them on separate days that is what i advise people to do so if you train today then do your cold water immersions tomorrow if that is available to you so it's also what what's feasible for you right